I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Small businesses bring Utah together. They inspire goodness and connect communities. These are their stories from Mighty Main Street, brought to you by the Utah Office of Tourism and Visit Salt Lake. Here's our host, Chris Redgrave, on KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Mighty Main Street on KSL, the faces and places of Utah. This business show features interviews with our small business community that make us proud while driving our Utah job market. We're supported by Utah Office of Tourism and Visit Salt Lake. Corey, thank you so much for being with us. I have Corey Marshall with us, and this is the account director for Australia, New Zealand, and Canada. He actually lives in New Zealand, and he's responsible for bringing tourism into the state of Utah through the Utah Office of Tourism. He is our account director, and he represents Utah in an amazing way. Corey, I've got to pick up with the fact that you come here every year, and you've traveled the state more extensively than probably the majority of us listening to this program right now. Yeah, it's a fortunate part of the role to come in and have these firsthand experiences. And I, when I'm talking to our media and trade friends and even output posting out on social media or talking with our team, I, I talk about how the state push, has pushed my boundaries probably more than any destination has in any part of the world. Um, and I talk about how not only pushing boundaries, but potentially lifting ceilings I prefer to use, um, you know, for me, I'm an outdoor enthusiast and a, a cyclist and, you know, and but it's also about getting off the beaten path. So some of my best experiences I've had are also, you know, in some destinations that maybe some even Utahns haven't been, like going to mountain bike around the Little Grand Canyon in the San Rafael Swell or, you know, on my way to Moab, stopping in Helper and having an amazing coffee experience and visiting some of the art galleries on Main Street or abseiling into the, you know, into Goblin's Lair in Goblin Valley uh, with an outfitter out of, out of that area, you know, or, you know, the, the new restaurants that come up and, you know, our dining scene across the state has, has come such a long way in the last few years. And whether it's the new King's Landing in Springdale or, you know, Sago restaurant in Canab, like I've had and been able to host all these travel writers to these experiences that maybe you thought traditionally wasn't known for um, in terms of the dining cuisine, but uh, that now very much are on the world stage. So it's been an amazing part of the job. And you've witnessed this because if you've been on board since, was it 2014, Corey, is that correct? Yes, I have, 2014. So haven't you seen just exponential growth just in the last six or seven years? Yeah, product growth. I mean, we've already spoke about innovation and even like new products that during the pandemic that have come on board for us as a tourism economy, like the new train service Rocky Mountaineers running starting this year from Moab into Denver or Denver to Moab. This gives more access into our state from, you know, traditionally areas that maybe were more challenging for an international traveler to get to. 
um, it's been phenomenal. And I think for us, it's like, how do we then message that to the world and make sure that our agents and media are, are understanding what we do as an office of tourism. And um, we've done some such cool things this year in a COVID world. One that I'd just like to talk about is, uh, you know, we have media and tour operators around the world that we try and target to educate them and inspire them about our state. And how do you do that in a pandemic? Well, what we've done is uh, partnered with a nutrition app and uh, created a program called Walker Tracker. And over the course of between October 1st and December 31st, we had 828 media and tour operator clients walk using their virtual steps while they're in lockdowns in our key markets across the state of Utah. And as they did so on our set route, they stopped at 25 milestones along the way and they saw video content um, that they could, you know, inspire them to come and travel to. There was a social gamification component where they could compete against each other. Um, and over that time, we had over uh, 76 articles and $150,000 of earned media coverage generated um, in our in only our markets um, using this this program. So, yeah, we're just trying to continue to use the innovation that's happening in Utah and innovate in our own ways with our marketing messaging in our destinations that we represent. Where did the Walker Tracker come from? Whose idea was it? So it was a combination. It's a nutrition-based app that was traditionally generated for American businesses, big businesses like Coke, um, and they would encourage them to use it for their employees to get out and lead a better lifestyle. And we found them online. They're actually a U.S.-based company, but we kind of tweaked it for tourism for the first time and, and partnered up with them. And, uh, yeah, it was definitely one of the leading ideas of, of the year in terms of destination marketing. And, um, yeah, absolutely awesome to work with them. To, to bring Utah Walker Tracker to life. You know, one of the things you touched on is a red emerald strategy of Utah Office of Tourism. Uh, this has been just a huge initiative. You want to touch on that? I mean, we touched on it, but would you want to expand on that just a little bit and how that influences you? Yeah, sure. It, it influences us in many respects. I mean, uh, we want to make sure that we are understanding our, our travelers um, and encouraging them to, like I said before, uh, regionally and seasonally disperse themselves throughout the state. So yes, we know that an Aussie is going to come and spend a ton of time in Park City and Salt Lake City, uh, but how can we get encourage them through our messaging and through our press visits and through the articles that are written through our active pitching um, to encourage them to maybe experience these, these destinations they just simply just don't know about because um, they're not as aware. And so we really use the Mighty Five as a hook and then talk about extending stays regionally um, for different reasons to visit our state parks um, and some of those small towns along the way, which ultimately um, expands the tourism dollar being spent. Every second year, we've been hosting a secret side of Sundance press trip. And you know, everyone thinks the Sundance Film Festival is this incredibly busy time in Park City. So many people come to Utah, but we've used it to kind of leverage the festival. But, you know, the first year we stayed on the backside in, uh, in Heber Valley and had our journalists have that experience. And then we traveled south on a winter road trip. And, and um, out of that program, I mean, we generated $150,000 in media coverage. This past year, we did a my last trip actually was to Sundance Film Festival, but we stayed in Salt Lake City, showing that, yes, Sundance is so close, but Salt Lake City also has so much going on during that festival in its own right. And we actually didn't, with this particular journalist group, we didn't leave Salt Lake City because we didn't have to. You know, we went to the jazz game. We went to all the, the Sundance events that happened in the city. And then we, again, did a separate winter road trip 
um, down uh, into Monument Valley and, you know, through Muley Point, through King County and Kanab, and then exited by um, Cedar City and, uh, and uh, St. George uh, through to Vegas. So just, again, trying to get the stories written about all that Utah has to offer and not just the icons. Do you get feedback from the groups that you influence? Do they let you know that was incredible, it changed my life, I'm going back? Uh, what type of data or feedback do you get after people have a Utah experience based on your influence? Yeah, great question. So everything that we do is trackable. And so we do that through feedbacks from the particular travel writer, but as a really kind of live example. So we hosted um, the Globe and Mail, which is Canada's largest read travel published magazine on a press trip Um, and we did that probably 18 months ago and then we obviously through active pitching are always pitching different story ideas and then through covid obviously it's been more and more challenging for destinations to get away from to to start to to write about you know travel to the u.s in some regards so how can we make sure that we are leveraging her visit to do so well when the global mail came out with the top 10 places we are dreaming about issue, which ended 2020 in December, Utah was the only U.S. destination featured and one of 10 destinations in the world selected. And that was all stemming from our follow-up work and kind of the attractability and accountability from a press visit that happened 18 months previous to that. Um, So we record the value of that. Another example is Australian Traveler. They were on that press trip with me last February. They just came out with their insider's guide and picked 101 destinations in the world. Uh, Utah was one of six U.S. destinations featured, and we talked all about our dark skies, and we're fortunate enough to have the executive director out at Antelope Island feature in a Q&A article on that piece. So we track everything from media visits to every dollar we spend with an online travel agent is obviously room night generated back to the state um, in different markets. And so, yeah, trackability is extremely important. The Dark Sky Initiative, I'm so glad you brought that up. It's just going to be extraordinary. I mean, they're they're projecting billions of dollars around the Dark Sky Initiative with 20 accreditations. And still, I think Zion National Park is the last one to be accredited. I mean, out of our mighty five to get an accreditation. So that's a huge initiative. And it's, Corey, because we don't understand the light pollution that we have in our cities. And so you go out into these dark sky areas uh, like Antelope Island, and they're just all over the state of Utah. And it's mind blowing. I'm so excited about that. I can hardly even stand it. But anyway, thank you so much for your information about the Red Emerald Project, because I know that's incredibly important. And uh, it's just been a pleasure to be able to talk to you today and to find out all the wonderful things that you're working on. On a personal note, do you ever get to bring your wife with you who followed you from Canada to New Zealand on some of these cool trips? Yes. Yeah, so fortunate enough, the name of our firm is Canuck Kiwi. And so she's actually not only my wife, but my business partner and um, does all of the trade relations and airline relationships for the Utah Office of Tourism. So at times we're able to travel together to Utah, normally around a big travel conference called IPW, which happens once a year. But um, we've had a couple of personal trips away from work where Utah has been our chosen destination because we love it so much. Um, and so, yeah, we do get to travel together. Our next trip, we've already said, as soon as COVID's over, is to take our two kids back to Utah and give them a, a road trip through kind of the road to mighty, if we will, taking in some of the parks, but also everything that we know of in between now that they're kind of of age where they can experience the outdoors. That's perfect. You know, we have great transportation uh, initiatives underway. Uh, we're looking at the little Cottonwood Canyons because they're just we're we're we don't want to love these beautiful areas to death. 
as the saying goes. And so we're looking at possible a gondola going up Little Cottonwood Canyon to be able to access those incredible ski resorts or other forms of transportation. But we're really staying on top of the progression of this marketplace, our tourism and our citizens, to make sure that we are mindful and that we manage this with a tremendous amount of responsibility. Corey Marshall, it was so fun to have you on board. Uh, this has gone so fast for me. I, I can't believe how fast this interview has gone. Uh, but anyway, all the best to you. Thank you so much for the good work you're doing on behalf of the state of Utah as you represent Australia, New Zealand, and Canada coming to our great state. All the best to you and your family, and I hope to meet you one of these days, Corey. Thanks, Chris. It's been a thrill, and I uh, really appreciate you having me on. And I can't wait to get back up to Snowbird, even if it's not on the gondola. I love it up there. So yeah. Absolutely. Fantastic. Alta as well. All the best, Corey. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chris. Check out our interviews on the podcast page of kslnewsradio.com. I'm Chris Redgrave, host of Mighty Main Street. Stick around for more stories on KSL Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.